There's something likable about Samwise Gamgee, the trusted gardener of Frodo Baggins. He's the real hero of Lord of the Rings. But he is the hero not because he's naturally strong, not because he's naturally brave. He isn't naturally heroic. From the outside, the character of Samwise Gamgee is feeble. He hides away in the bushes to eavesdrop on Gandalf and Bilbo. He's too nervous to dance with Rosie Cotton. He's never left the comfort of his hometown. But there is something natural to Sam that changes everything. He is loyal to his friends. He is a loyal friend to the bitter end. And because of his loyalty to Frodo, he follows him on his quest. He endures the trickery of Gollum. He faces his worst fears. Because he is loyal, he becomes brave. He becomes strong. He becomes heroic. And in the end, it is Sam who carries Frodo Baggins to the, uh, to the height of the blazing heights of Mount Doom. I'm sorry if you're not a Tolkien fan. The character of Samwise Gamgee demonstrates for us an essential principle to understand today's readings. In the words of St. Thomas Aquinas, grace does not destroy nature, but perfects it. Sam's loyal nature primed him to grow in other virtues, in fortitude, courage, and charity. But his growth in virtue did not occur in a way that changed who he was before. His nature was not destroyed, but perfected. Perfected, surely, by Tolkien's own Catholic understanding of grace. You see, grace is not something that Catholics and Protestants very much agree upon. Grace is that free gift of God, which enables us to be like him, to choose him, to grow closer to him. But while St. Thomas argued that grace perfects the nature of man, (coughs) this was not the view of the theologians of the Reformation. Martin Luther, in one of his earlier works, argues that man only has free will insofar as he sins, or rather, insofar as he turns away from God. It's only when God, through grace, enters into man's life and removes his freedom, acts through him, only then can good occur. For Martin Luther, man is totally deprived of goodness. Nothing he does can ever be good. So grace destroys nature, at least in Luther's view. And this is the view of most Protestant churches out there, that man is incapable of doing good unless God supplants his freedom by the gift of grace. But yet St. Paul teaches us today that the spiritual was not first, rather the natural, and then the spiritual. God takes the weak man, David, who we know to be guilty of many sins, yet he still raises him to be the greatest king in the history of Israel. He takes the weakness and timidity of Peter and sets him as the foundation of the church. It is not God's way of acting to remove from us those things that make us who we are because he created us, each of us, individually in his love. Yet he takes each, each of our individual weaknesses and perfects us in his grace. Grace perfecting nature. And so in the gospel today, our Lord gives us literal commands. We shouldn't take his words as if they're just pious phrases. He really meant that we should forgive those who hurt us and lend without expecting repayment. 
But he gives us this very high standard to demonstrate the sort of manner in which we need to approach growth in the spiritual life. It isn't enough to simply accept that Christ is your Lord and Savior. There is nothing Christian about that line of thinking. Christ demands that we grow, that we accept the free gift of his grace and use it. Growing in holiness, becoming a better Christian requires serious effort. And so it's worth sitting down and truly reflecting on the standard given by our Lord in St. Luke's Gospel. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. These are literal commands. We must love those who do evil to us or to the church. And this is hard. It is hard to return to our room after we've been offended and to pray for that person, not for their conversion, but for their salvation. And yet Christ offers us this model upon the cross as he prays for the forgiveness of his executioners. Give to everyone who asks of you. What can this mean? A friend of mine called me a few months back about this very line. He said, does this mean I have to literally give to someone whenever they ask me? Well, I think we should take Christ at his word. We have no reason not to. So I know some people who keep little bags in their cars with food and gift cards and toiletries so they can pass them to beggars on street corners. It's, if we have nothing to give, then we should give our honesty and our compassion. Do to others as you would have them do to you. We need to take time to go through each of these precepts in the gospel. But I think the point is made. If we're going to be truly Christian, we have to be Christian. We can't simply think that coming here on Sunday or telling ourselves that Christ is our Savior is enough because it's not. Christ isn't going to command our wills and somehow eradicate our non-Christian way of living. If we are truly Christian, then our cooperation with the Lord's grace will gently perfect our own weak nature. <clears throat> we will see gradual but authentic changes. And this only comes by taking a harder path, by choosing to be brave, by choosing to train ourselves in virtue. We are given the example of David in the first reading of today's Mass. David has everything to gain from killing Saul. Saul is after David's life. He's sending him on more and more ridiculously difficult tasks. He's wedging David from his closest friend. Saul's death would mean for David sitting upon the throne of Israel. But he does not kill Saul. In his own words, the Lord will reward each man for his justice and his faithfulness. I would not harm the Lord's anointed. David knows that God's commandments are not mere platitudes and piety. They are to be obeyed even in difficulty. And the same must be true of us. Hopefully, each of us are here this morning because we desire to truly love the Lord, to truly be a Christian. It's sad to say that, at least according to the polls, that may not always be the case. This may sound surprising, but according to the polls, not even all Catholics today claim to believe in God. That's because we're making Christ into a teacher, a man of good deeds. We're making Jesus Christ into a fortune cookie or a Buddha or a Confucius. But the church assembles us here not to mindlessly give us nice sayings. We are here to worship the living and the true God so that as we receive his most precious body and blood in the Holy Eucharist 
and that spiritual food inwardly transforms into our own flesh, we may be emboldened to truly live as friends of God, as people who deserve the name of Christian.